0: Galatians 1 verse 3, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. We continue our sermon series as Pastor Nathan was talking about, Freedom's Call, and we're looking at significant chunks of text in the epistle to the Galatians, the letter to the Galatians. It's a letter about freedom. And our theme verse is from Galatians chapter 5, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Freedom's call. Freedom's call from confusion. Freedom's call from the past. Freedom's call to life. Freedom's call to the Father. Freedom's call to serve. And freedom's call to all people. I was reminded this past week how important it is for us to have the Word of God in our lives. As I wrestled with this text from Galatians chapter 2, and trust me, this is a text that you can wrestle with. Theologians for hundreds of years have wrestled over all of the meat in this text. There's a lot of words, there's a lot of theology, there's a lot of the Christian faith in Galatians chapter 2. And I hope that you've been having a chance to read through some of it on your own. In fact, has, raise your hand if you've been able to read through part of Galatians on your own during the week, all right? All right. Okay, cool. Anybody read through the whole epistle to the Galatians? Anybody out there? All right. I want to see way more hands by the end of the four weeks, okay? Because it's easy to do. It takes you about 20 minutes to read through the whole epistle to the Galatians. In fact, you can even listen to it. My wife downloaded uh, the New Testament uh, read by Johnny Cash, all right? And it sounds cool. He does it in less than 15 minutes, all right? And it's really cool to hear him do it. So Some way, somehow, find a way to listen or to read uh, the book of Galatians over the next uh, four weeks and let the message of freedom wash over you. It's God's word to you. He's speaking to you. And it's free and it's freeing. And we find a new life in Jesus through the epistle to Galatians. All right, so where have we been? Two weeks ago, we talked about Galatians being a family letter. So the Apostle Paul is sending this family letter to his family in the faith to the churches in Galatia. Because he wanted to bless them. He wanted to give them a message of grace and healing and hope. He wanted to free them from confusion. Because if you remember, the Galatians, they're Gentile believers in Jesus. But you see, some Judaizers, some Jewish believers in Jesus came in and told them, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not enough for you. You still got to do this rule and this custom and this order and this law. Paul comes in, he says, that's not true. Paul comes in and he gives a freedom from the confusion. He says the the gospel of Jesus Christ is everything for you. There is nothing you can do to earn your way to salvation. There's nothing you can do to be declared righteous before God only by Jesus. Freedom's call from confusion. Last week we looked at freedom's call from the past as we look at Paul's call to ministry and his freedom from the past. That he used to persecute the faith and now he's preaching the faith. And then in Galatians chapter 2, he talks more about his ministry. And then in our text today, the context of our text today is a conflict. There's a conflict between St. Peter and St. Paul. And when I first looked at it, I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting. But it it was kind of refreshing. Because we live in a world that is broken, right? There's going to be conflict. We're going to have conflict with each other, even in the church. But with God, there is always a way through. St. Paul and St. Peter, two pillars of the New Testament church, they had conflict. Because the early Christians, you see, they were, wrestling to, they were wrestling with what is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, because on the one hand, we may know what the gospel of Jesus Christ is up in our heads. We may be able to take a test and write it out. But what does it mean to live and to walk in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ here and now, in our relationships with each other, with God, and with his creation? What does it look like? Peter and Paul, they had come to a conflict. You see, Peter and Barnabas, his associate, they were Jewish believers. And they would eat together and they would have fellowship with the Gentile believers. But then a certain group came in and Peter and Barnabas sort of drew away. They said, we're not going to eat with these Gentile believers anywhere. They were being basically racist. And they were falling into the Judaizer trap. They were saying that the gospel of Jesus is not enough. You also have to fulfill these laws and these rules and these customs. You can work your way to God. You can get right with God by Jesus and by your works. That's the context of Galatians chapter 2. Galatians 2, verse 14 says this Paul's writing, he says, When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, Cephas, Peter, I said to Peter in front of them all, You are a Jew. Yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you are forcing the Gentiles to follow Jewish customs, rules, laws? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles, they they consider the Gentiles sinful because they didn't have the law. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified, that is, not declared righteous, not declared free, not made right with God by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too, even us Jewish believers, we have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified, that we may be right with God by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. No one will be declared righteous. No one will be declared free. No one can get right with God by doing works. Verse 17 continues on, but if in seeking to be justified... That is, made right with God in Christ. We Jews find ourselves also among the sinners. Doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. Paul's saying that's crazy talk. Verse 18, if I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. The Apostle Paul is saying, if I go back to trying to be righteous on my own before God, if I try to build my works up and try to climb the ladder to God and get right with God on my own, that's a greater sin. He's saying it's all about Jesus. It's all about righteousness from him. And that's why he says in verse 19, he says, for through the law, I died to the law. What does that mean? That means that the law condemned Paul. He couldn't fulfill it. He realized the more he looked into the law and what God wanted of him, he realized how dead he was, how utterly incapable he was of fulfilling God's laws, God's commandments, God's rule, and how much he needed Jesus and his grace to live. That's why he says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God, live to God, live unto God, live in a direct relationship with God, free. And so in verse 20, he says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Amen to that. Verse 21, he says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Righteousness, he says, is received because of what Jesus did on the cross for you and me. His record is transferred to us. Now, what we're witnessing here is a lot of theology, a lot of big words, a lot of terminology and it can be kind of confusing, but what we're actually witnessing as we read these words is life. We're looking at the Christian life. We're looking at freedom's call to life. And it's a unique life, my friends. There is nothing like it outside of Christianity. The Christian life is, on the one hand, paradoxical and confusing, it, on the other hand, completely clear and completely liberating. It is life, as the Apostle Paul says in verse 14, he says, "In line with the truth of the gospel." Now you may have noticed, Paul, he's going back and forth between two concepts in all of those verses. On the one hand, he's talking about sin, and on the other hand, he's talking about justification. On the other, on one hand, he's talking about, "I'm a sinner," and then on the other side, he's talking about being declared righteous." On the one hand he's saying, "I am an absolute sinner before God, but I'm also absolutely loved." by God. Martin Luther, 500 years ago, when he talked about this Christian righteousness, this love that we received from God, he says it's received from God, not produced. We are passive, not active. We don't develop it. We don't produce it. We get it. It arrives. It comes to us from God. You see, the interesting thing is that every other religion and every other philosophy has a different definition of life. When it comes to uh, works and when it comes to righteousness, different philosophies, different religions will say that either you're a sinner who's trying to be righteous, or you're maybe 20% sinner and 80% righteous, or you're just, you started out righteous, but you just failed miserably. The Christian life looks at it differently. The Christian life says, I'm a failure, yet I'm also honored by God. The Christian life says, I'm ungodly, yet God has somehow declared me righteous and just. The Christian life says, yes, I'm an absolute sinner, but on the other hand, I'm absolutely loved by God. Martin Luther said it this way. He said it in Latin, so it sounds so much better. He said, simul justus et peccator, which is simultaneously, I am a sinner and I'm a saint. Our text is filled with this reality. You see, my friends, when we realize this, these two parts of our existence, we find life. We find the Christian life. But if we fall to either side, if we fall to the sinner's side only or to the saint's side only, we forget the free gift of God's righteousness, his gospel in Jesus Christ. You see, when we come over here and we stay on the sinful side, we become fixed on laws and rules and Ten Commandments, and I've got to do stuff, and I've got to work my way to God. But if we come over here on the righteousness side, the saint side, and and we forget about the law side, then we become arrogant. We become prideful. We think God loves us because of how awesome we are. Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me. If we stand over here and we forget that we are sinful people, we begin to think that sin doesn't exist anymore. We begin to think that we are basically good people. We think that, yeah, sure, every now and then we might make a mistake, but to err is human. St. Paul says in verse 21 if you start thinking like that, then Christ died for nothing. You see, if you fall to the sinner's side and you fall to the saint's side, you miss the gospel. The gospel, the life of the gospel, living in line with the gospel is that we are both sinner and saint, we are sinner and righteous, we are failures yet honored, we are ungodly yet declared righteous, we are simul justus et peccator. It's in that identity that we find our lives being transformed. You see, a life as a sinner and a life as a saint, it goes far beyond rules. It goes far beyond sentimental notions of love. The gospel goes places that no other thing can go, no other entity, other reality, no other power or force can go. The gospel is radical love. The gospel is beyond rules. The gospel means we have a unique approach to life. You are a sinner and you are a saint. You're a moral failure, yet you are absolutely loved. You see, the biggest problems that we have in our lives is when we fall off to either side. When we fall off over to uh, the sinner side and you think of yourself only as a sinner, you forget how loved by God you are. And what happens then is your life starts to end in hopelessness in desperation and an endless tirade of trying and trying harder and more and more. If you come over here to the other side and you say, I'm a saint, I'm loved by God, and you start to forget that you're a, a sinner... Eventually, that leads to arrogance, it leads to pride, it leads to relegating God to the footnotes of your life. It's only as you hold the two in tension, the sinner and the saint, that there's a kind of exploding energy in our lives. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about in verse 20. Let me read it again. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. That's the Christian life. It's the crucified life and the risen life. It's the sinner life and the saint life together. Now, what does that look like here and now? What does it actually mean? You know, we're a culture that we're concerned with self-image, right? Self-image is a huge thing. Now, if you take that concept of how you view yourself and you're you're always over here on the sinner side, you're always here on the law side, you're all about the rules and the regulations, well, you're gonna fail your standards. And you're gonna live a life of humility that's gonna lead to desperation, to despondency, and to hopelessness because you will have no boldness or confidence in your life. But if you come over here and you're on the saint side, I'm loved by God's side, the righteous side, but you forget about the fact that you're a sinner, you're gonna be bold and you're gonna be confident, but you're not gonna be humble. And that's gonna lead to arrogance and pride and self worship but if you are simul justus et peccator, saint and sinner, righteous and sinner, you have both a humility and a boldness and confidence at the same time. I don't know about you, but I personally struggle with this all the time. I'll give you an example from my own life as a pastor. As a, as a sinner, I am absolutely, completely terrified to preach or teach or lead, or be a pastor because I'm unworthy, I'm hypocritical, I'm a sinner, I'm a failure. You don't know what goes on in this mind up here. I remember one time, I was a more wise and seasoned pastor up and downy, Pastor Bush, he was telling me about this, we were talking about this reality when it comes to preaching and being a pastor, and he said, he was telling me, you know what, you are that, Michael, but you are also a redeemed child of God. He has declared you righteous. He has forgiven you. He has called you to speak his truth. For this time, you rely on him. You trust in him. You take his righteousness and let it work through you. Because he's got something to say. The balance of the sinner and the saint. That's just one example, but it's true for all aspects of our lives. You could apply it to your life as a father, as a mother, as a husband, as a wife, as a child, as a friend, as a witness to those in your neighborhood, wherever you are called. We are sinners, yes, but we are saints, yes, and Christ has set us free to engage the world both in humility and in boldness and confidence. That's an absolutely unique self-image. It's an absolutely unique psychology. There's nothing like it out there in the world. It's the only place place you can find it is in Christianity. It is the Christian life. And it means that we can move out into the world. And we, as Christians, we deal with things differently. An example would be when it comes to suffering in our lives. How do we live the Christian life? And how do we handle suffering in line with the gospel? I don't know about you, but I have personally struggled with this in my life. Many tragic things have happened in my life, just like you. We've all experienced death of loved ones. When my sister died, when my dad died. Uh, I have family members who have gone through hurtful divorces. I have had uh, family members who have been abused. There have been lawsuits in my family, crimes and disease and suffering. How does the Christian life handle it? Now, if you over here on the sinner side... You'll handle it like Job's friends did in the Old Testament. If you remember the story of Job, Job's friends came to him and said, well, uh, you know, if you have suffering in our life, it's because of something that you did wrong. You broke the law. You did a rule. You've been sinning somehow, and so you brought this suffering into your life. And if you're over on the sinner's side, only here, you start to believe it. And you're filled with anxiety. You're filled with shame. You're filled with uh, awful feelings. You hate yourself because of the suffering because you caused it. On the other side, if you're over here on the saint side and you forget about the fact that you're a sinner and you say, I'm so loved by God because I'm so awesome, when suffering comes into your life, you'll treat suffering like Job's wife did. You're going to curse God and you're going to hate him. You see, the two sides of the reality is if you believe in a holy God who is not loving, then when you'll suffer, you'll hate yourself. On the other side, if you believe in a loving God who is not holy, then when you suffer, you will hate him and you will blame him. But if you are simul justus et peccator, if you are a sinner and a saint, you are absolutely unique. Because on the one hand, you view yourself in your life as a sinner and you know that the scriptures say, for the wages of sin is death and that you deserve some sort of suffering in your life. But on the other hand, you know that you are a redeemed child of God. You know that Jesus Christ paid for your sins. And therefore, whatever you are suffering today is absolutely no way a payment for your sin. Let me say that again. If you are redeemed by Jesus Christ, when you are going through suffering, you are not going through that suffering to pay for your sin. Jesus Christ paid for your sin on the cross 2,000 years ago. So how do we view that suffering in our life? What does it mean as a sinner and as a saint? It means that we suffer the way Jesus did. It means that we are having fellowship with Jesus Christ and his suffering. You see, Jesus Christ, in order to live a godly life here, he had to endure suffering. And if you and me, if I'm going to live a godly life here, I will endure suffering. But through my suffering, through our suffering, God will bring good and he will bring redemption. He'll do great things in your life and the lives of those around you, just like Jesus, just like his followers, just like St. Paul in our text today. St. Paul was willing to go beyond the rules and he was willing to love radically. In humility and boldness, he confronted Peter because he was freed in Christ to life. He wanted that freedom not only for the Galatians, not only for Peter and Barnabas, but God wanted that freedom to be talked about here today, 2,000 years later, thousands of miles apart. Hear that word from God for you this morning. You are a sinner and you are a saint. You have been called to a unique life, a life that is beyond rules and shallow sentimental notions of love, a radical love, a deep humility in a profound boldness and confidence because Christ lives in you. Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me.